0: Praise God. As I said, when we read the uh, salvation prayer, the the only way to be successful in life is through Jesus Christ, and the only way to, to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. And God wants us always, of course, to be mindful of that. And from time to time, we recommit ourselves to just kind of reestablish and remind ourselves, not that if you um, gave yourself to the Lord before, not that that needs to be redone. It can't be redone, but it's just merely a reminder to yourself that, from this day forward, Lord, I'm going to reestablish and put myself back on, on track because so many times we do tend to get off track. Now, that doesn't mean that if you get off track that your salvation is lost. I'm not saying that at all. But sometimes it just it's good for us to be reminded that we need God in our lives, you know, and to remember how important the commitment that we've made to Jesus Christ is. Yeah, amen. And that... Um, the fact that everyone is here today, the fact that you are sitting here today means that you were indeed called and at some point you responded, okay? We're all called and at some point we all respond, not necessarily all, but but those that do re- respond. Historically and biblically, there've been those that who were called and came along willingly. And then there were those that were called and didn't quite come so willingly. So we're going to look at that today, amen, because while we are called and how we respond to God's calling can indeed determine how easily our lives kind of unfold themselves, but then when God is calling us and if we're kind of slow to respond, that also impacts our lives also, amen. So let's turn to the, to the book of Acts, and we want to go to, to the book of Acts uh, chapter 8, chapter 8 in the book of Acts, you know. How did you respond when when you were called? Or are you being called but are you kind of fighting it? And being called even goes beyond just simply saying, oh well, of course it, it you know, it starts with you giving yourself to the Lord and confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But how much are you committed to God? How much are you really jumping in, you know, are you kind of testing the pool with just your big toe and just tipping it in very, very gently to see whether the water's right or are you kind of just plunging in, you know, and it's something that we all have to ask ourselves because how seriously you are with God really can impact your life in terms of blessings, blessings being delayed, you being victorious or not, you know. So in this day and age, uh, you know, it's, it's like you have to be in with, you know, what is the expression, hook, line, and sinker? You have to be fully committed to God because we can't just nip around the edges and expect us, expect ourselves to be blessed, to be blessed. And more importantly, to be, to be victorious. Amen. So when you are called, it, 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 uh, it, it's a life-changing experience. The problem is many times Christians want to be called and feel they're responding to the call, but they don't want to change their life. You see, they don't want to change their life. Yeah, amen, God called, and I answered, I prayed the salvation prayer, and I committed myself to the Lord, you know, and you're saying that with your mouth, and you're saying it intellectually with your mind, but with your spirit and deep within your heart, how much did you really surrender to the call? How much did you really give in to what God God is calling you to do? You have to be prepared, okay? You know, there's no half-stepping with God. Either you're in or you're out. Makes me think of one of those TV shows. Either you're in or you're out. Amen. So you so you have to be committed because once you answer to the call, it's a life changing experience. Amen. So looking at the at the first uh, verse in chapter eight of the book of Acts, and Saul was consenting unto his death. His death. If you look at, I'm not going to go through the scriptures above, but this is where Stephen was stoned. Okay, the, he was the first martyr who was stoned. So this is referring back to Stephen, and Saul was consenting unto his or Stephen's death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout, devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Now, Saul, as we all know, is who? Is Paul before he was converted. Amen. Now, see what he was doing here. Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed committed them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. Okay, so here now we're seeing it talking about unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of the people. Now, there's another thing about committing yourself to God and when you're being called. You know, how much do you buy into that? You know, so many folks, so many Christians I actually hear say, oh, there's no such thing as demons. You know, that, they don't really exist. It was a figment of man's imagination. Okay, well, again, once you're called, it's a life-changing experience. So maybe you need to readjust your thinking and think about well, if this is written here in the Bible and Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write this, the book of Acts is written by Luke and, and inspired Luke to, to write this, that this may be God talking to me, trying to open my eyes. All right. So the unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out, and many were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was sent joy, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously in the same city used sorcery, underlined sorcery, sorcery and bewitched, underline bewitched, the people of Samaria, underline bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, all right? So he was using sorcery and witchcraft to make people think that he was so great, all right? Now, just as a reference to witchcraft, put a uh, marker in Acts here, and let's go to Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18. just want you to clearly understand what this Simon was doing to make the people seem that he was so great. Okay. Deuteronomy 18, and let me see, just look at verse, verse 9. Okay, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth you, Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Okay? So in other words, God is saying, when you come to the land that I'm going to give you, there are people that are people there already. You're not to learn and do after what those people are doing, because those people are doing some things that are an abomination. Verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or who uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter of mediums, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all those that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. All right? So, he, so God here outlines several things. It says, says uh, um, in verse 10, There shall not be a found of anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. There was a God called, called Moloch, a demonic God that they worshipped. And part of Moloch's uh, requirement was that they sacrifice their children by burning them to death. So that, that was the term called passing them through fire. So obviously it was a demonic god. All right? Or use divination or an observer of times. Observer of times is astronomy. All right? An enchanter or a witch, one and the same. A charmer, a consulter of mediums. That's someone that is seeking out familiar spirits. Alright, consulter of mediums or a wizard. Okay, or a wizard, or a necromancer. Okay, a wizard is just as bad as a witch or anything else. And they very cutely today in some of the kitty stories and whatnot say, oh, you know, he's a wizard and he's a that. And they're trying to deceive people, making them think that a wizard is not a witch. It's one and the same. Okay, they're practicing the black arts. Of course, in the kitty things, they make them look like they're doing good stuff because that's how they deceive the parents. You see, but uh, but a wizard is a wizard is a wizard, or or a necromancer. Necromancer is one who plays around with with dead bodies and things like that. Okay, and mediums Spirits. For all those that do these are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them from from before thee. Okay, so now we see what this guy was practicing. Now, go back to the book of Acts, back to the book of Acts, and we left off at, uh, we're, and go back to verse number 9 again, okay, chapter 8, verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously in the same city used sorcery, and that's we see what sorcery is now, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was a great, was a great, was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. This man is the great power of God. So here, this man is using witchcraft, but he had the people so deceived That he actually thought that he was doing godly things, that this man has a power, the power of God. And this goes back to what we were discussing in Bible study the other night, that how do we know when things are coming from God and when things are coming from evil? How do we separate out? You see, and obviously it's through the word of God and through Holy Spirit. But he had this whole town he had bewitched and deceived, thinking that he was some great man, because this man is the great power of God. Verse number 11. And to him they had regard, because that for a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Okay? But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So they were baptized, but they had not been uh, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then uh, laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Again, you see, this is where the basis for the laying on of hands for receiving the Holy Spirit is shown as being scriptural here, you know. So many people poo-poo the laying on of hands and things like that, and they don't realize that it's scriptural. The laying on of hands had its purpose in many different, different arenas. Uh, verse 18, And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Please underline, he offered them money. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power. Underline, give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with you, because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Please underline, thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. For thy heart underlined, thy heart is not right in the sight of God, all right? So this man thought that he saw this thing all of a sudden, and he said, oh boy, you know, let me buy this power, let me buy this power, you see? And he thought that just simply by offering money, he has no concept of where this power may be really coming from, and how much is he really a believer himself if he thought that he could buy God's power through using his money. Verse 22 says, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many, in many villages uh, in, in the, uh, of the Samaritans. Now, here, here's a man who thought that he was being called, obviously, but he, was being, he felt that he needed to do this for a very, very different reason. It was all for his power, for his glory, and so on. He had held stat, status or stature in the communities for so long using witchcraft, but when he saw this thing that was genuine, because of the fact that he was so steeped in witchcraft and the dark. The, the black art, the dark arts. He thought that in similar practice, this was something in similar f- fashion, this could just be given by simply his, him buying his way into it. You see? you see. So so here we see here that this was a person who was basically evil that was trying to do the things of God and he was rebuked. 26, verse 26 continues, and says, And an angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, Philip here is being called to do something, and this is where God is now giving direction, all right? So when God is calling us, the next step we have to wait for is some sort of direction. As I started out by saying here, when God calls, it can be a life-changing experience. And we're going to see, we're going to see this in a moment. Uh, God gives direction. And he arose and went. Here he see, we see a B underlined, arose and went, and right in your margin, obedience. Okay? God told him where to go. And in obedience he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all their treasure and who had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, the prophet. See, So we see now this eunuch, this Ethiopian, he, he was seeking God. Here he was an Ethiopian, but he was reading the book of Isaiah here. 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran before him. Please underline that, ran before him, and write a line in your margin and and write the word obedient again. And Philip ran there to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Again, here we see God calling and giving direction, and we have to ask ourselves, How obedient are we to his call? And he said... How can I accept some man, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he besought Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb, dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered, answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? You see, so here this eunuch now, he is being, he is being I- I- inquisitive. Um, uh, and also, this is a, a point, let me just back up for a minute. God called Philip because he knew that there was a eunuch traveling that was seeking him, that was seeking God. So God took Philip and said, This is where I want you to go. Amen. So when God calls you, you never know whether there may be a eunuch, so to speak, on your road. You never know where there may be someone that God wants you to speak to, that God wants you to witness to, that God wants you to minister to. Amen. So we have to be obedient. Amen. So when God calls you, it can be a life-changing experience because you don't know what the future is going to hold. You don't know who God is going to bring across your path. You don't know what may be, God may be lining up for you. So here there's a man, here, a eunuch, who out of curiosity is reading the book of Isaiah, and he's wondering who is he talking about here. And then in verse 35 he says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. Obviously, where the eunuch was reading there in Isaiah, it was speaking of Jesus, where it says in verse 34, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaks the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? So Philip, Philip answered him and said, it's, being talk, it's talking about Jesus. And so it says there in 35, um, And began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest, underline, if thou believest, believest. And Philip said, if thou believest, with all thine heart, underline, with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Please underline all of that. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay? At this point, I just pause and just ask you to ask yourself, do you? You know? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Beyond, beyond what you read in the Bible, beyond what you read in historical books perhaps, beyond what you've heard people say, but deep within your own spirit, do you really, 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 really believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And that with him comes salvation. Amen? Because if not, the prayer that we read before is, no, is pointless. It was just a waste of time. So deeper than your heart, this is a time where you need to do some real soul-searching and ask yourself, do you really, really believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Amen? Amen? So he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized them after after he was saved. And when they, they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, Lord, caught Philip away. In the line, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. That the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Okay? Now, talking about <laughs> when God calls, it can be a life-changing experience. How's that for a life-changing experience? Here you are going down the road, you see a guy that's seeking God, and you pray with him, and you baptize him, you know, and you're doing what God does. God tells you, do. next thing you know, you're 29 miles away, okay? All right, because this place was about 29 miles away, if you look at the biblical maps. So he was just picked up and, and zapped off someplace else. Talk about a life-changing experience, amen? But here's someone that came along willingly, you know? So when God is calling you, and when you're surrendering to God, don't expect that your life is going to be the same. It's not going to be business as normal or business as usual, you know. You can't just say, oh, well, yes, Lord, I give myself to you and, and, and you know, confess, the uh, do the salvation prayer and all like that. I give myself to the Lord. Jesus, come into my life and take charge and take control. Because if you really, really mean that, your life is going to be different. Amen. Life is going to be different. You need to be prepared for that, you see. But the beauty of us is, is, of it is, though the same way Philip relied on the leading of Holy Spirit, the guidance of Holy Spirit, we have the same ability to rely on and believe in the guidance of Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? Amen. So we see that case there. Now we go continuing into chapter 9 here. Okay? Um, uh, and Saul, now this is going back to our friend, good old friend Saul here. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of, of this way, meaning any, any Christians, any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Wow, okay? I mean, I just get so amazed because I know where this is heading, but look where he was. Okay? Look where he was. He was persecuting the church, killing off many women, putting men and women of God in, in prison. Saul. Okay? And here he was, he was seeking, seeking letters to give him permission to go to Damascus to the synagogues. If he found any of, uh, any of his way, any people of God, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into, into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shone around about him a light from heaven. Let me just clarify something I just said there. He was specifically not just seeking people of God. He was, spe- he was specifically seeking those Jews who were following Jesus Christ. Okay, because Saul was Jewish himself. But he thought what he believed in was the right thing. And what he was doing, he was going about persecuting the church. This is the book of Acts, A.D. 61, 62, something like that. First century church. So the church was just being built, okay, after Jesus Christ was resurrected. This is after the second chapter of Acts where the Holy Spirit filled those folks in the upper room. So the church is growing now. His church is growing as these apostles are going out through the land. And Saul, being a Jewish scholar, Pharisee, very intellectual man, uh, felt that he had to to defend the faith, the old Jewish belief system. Okay? So he was out earnestly persecuting people. Okay? And as he journeyed, verse 3 again, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? Now, if you ever read the letter of the Bible, these words are written in red, indicating that this is Jesus Christ saying this. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the goads. And he, trembling and astonishing, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now he's all shaking and everything. Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told there what thou must do. All right? So now Jesus is giving him instructions. Interesting enough, though, in the beginning of verse 6 there, he's surrendering because he's saying he was trembling and astonished and asked the Lord, What will you have me to do? So Jesus said to go into the city, and there shall be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. They stood speechless, hearing a voice, seeing the, but seeing no man, you see. So when God is calling you, this might not, it most likely it, might not, it would not be something that's going to be blasted over a microphone, and all of your friends and relatives and everything are going to realize, gee whiz, Kathy was just called, you know, or something like that, okay. It, it'll be a very, very personal call. But God is going to be speaking to you. When God calls, it's a life-changing experience, Okay. So don't expect that when God calls and if you're answering, that your life is going to be the same. All right? It won't be. It won't be. All right? So, uh, um, so it says, they, uh, Heard the voice, but seeing no man. Verse 8, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So in other words, his eyes opened, but he was blind. Okay? He opened his eyes, but he could see nothing. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat. Nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Okay, now, follow what's happening here. Jesus appeared to this man who was persecuting his children and states the question, Why do you persecute me? Saul surrenders and says, Okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? He was stricken with blindness. He said, This is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. Gave him distinct instructions and directions. At the same time, some distance away, Holy Spirit gave this Ananias, the man whom he told Saul to go see, a vision and a message also. Saying, there's going to be someone coming to you named Saul of Tarsus. You see? So when God is working in our lives, not only is he giving you direction and and, and telling you what to do, and why it's so critical for you to be obedient and do whatever it is he's telling you to do, But God could be talking to someone else miles away. Or could be setting something in motion in a a situation or in a circumstance. God could be setting things up and just getting things in line for you and just saying, you know, this is what I want you to do. Knowing that when you get to wherever it is he's sending you, it's going to be prepared, you know. It's almost like, you know, we've seen in some of the the silly movies, you know, where, where, you know, a guy goes running at a door. That's closed, you know, not knowing that someone on the other side is going to open the door, you see. But if that person on the other side didn't decide to open the door, he'd go smashing right into it. Amen? Amen? So when God is telling you to do something, you have to be obedient and do exactly what it is that He's telling you to do. And don't question what the future may hold. Well, why are you sending me there? Why are you telling me to do this? Why are you telling me to move from this job to this job? Why are you telling me to move from this house to this house? You know, why are you telling me not to do this? Why are you telling me to say this, all right, to someone? You see? Because God is on the other side of that action, already putting in place that which you need to have in place before you do what it is he's telling you to do. So the same way he told Saul, this is what I want you to look for this guy Ananias. Holy Spirit also told Ananias, watch out for this person named Saul. And it says there in verse number 12, um, And have seen in a vision a man named Ananias, meaning that Paul, Saul saw Ananias in a vision, coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. So Saul is looking for Ananias, looking for his sight to be restored. In the meantime, God told Ananias, there's going to be a guy coming to you who needs his sight restored. All right, Verse 13, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, and how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Please underline, I have heard heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. So in other words, what he's saying here basically is like, Lord, you know, I've heard about this guy you're telling me to lay hands on. He's been killing off people like me. He's been persecuting your church. This man is evil, but you're sending him my way, you know. To, and, and he has a letter of authority, you know, to, that he could bind up all that, that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Isn't that amazing? Please underline not align that. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. You see? So, before you even come to the Lord, before you even decide that I want to serve God, you're a chosen vessel to Him. You're a chosen vessel. And whether or not you avail yourself of God or, 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 or surrender to God and decide to be obedient for God to God, God has a plan for your life. You see? But so many of us don't, simply don't believe that. So many of us simply believe, I wake up in the morning, I do what I have to do, I go to work, I do this, you know, tribulations come along, trials, tribulations come along, you know, I get through them, I may or not get through them, you know. But you don't believe deep within your heart or within your spirit that you're a chosen vessel, you see, and and you don't know the mind of God. You don't know what God has intended for your mind, intended for you, you know. You know, we are so terribly short-sighted, you know, we look in terms of a week, come Monday morning I have to do this, you know, or a month. Christmas is coming up. Jesus, I can look ahead a whole month. New Year's, I can do two months, you know. Okay, but in terms of really looking at the long term of your life, especially I say to young folks who have children today, looking along to the times when they're grown and in college, where will you be? How will you have fared in raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord and teaching them? Okay? You see? So when you are called, you have no idea what God has in mind for you. You don't know what God is setting up for you or to whom God wants you to touch later on in the future. You know? Or well, for that matter, it can spill even down to your children. You don't know who God is raising them up to touch later on in life. You see? So here, you know, he said, well, gee, this guy's an evil, evil guy, and so, you know, but the Lord said, go your way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Underline, he must suffer for my name's sake. You see? Now, now, uh, again, Jesus said, you know, in Scripture there that uh, um, we shall have trials and tribulations and so on like that. So when we are called, talking about it being a life-changing experience, you know, yeah, God willing, none of us suffer to the extent that the apostles uh, uh, wound of suffering. But still, that means that there will be challenges in your life. So when God calls you, it can, be, it can be a life-changing experience. Expect for it not to be the same. Then we see in verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me has sent me, and thou might receive, that thou might receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here you see now, Ananias was obedient to God. You see, and obviously he knew what happened on the road, because he said that, that uh, Jesus uh, saw the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee on the way, um, you know, sent you to me, that you may receive your sight, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as if it had been scales, and he received sight, and arose and was baptized. you see now here again you see being obedient and doing exactly what God told him to do, and Ananias prayed with him, and uh, uh, he was, uh, uh, his sight was restored, and he was filled with the holy Spirit, and immediately they fell from his eyes of the scales, received sight and arose and was baptized, and when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples who were at, at Damascus, and immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them who called on this name in Jerusalem and came here for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is, is, ver- this is very Christ. So here's the man now. They were amazed when God calls it can be a life-changing experience. Here's a man who went from persecuting people who were following Jesus to now he's out there talking about Jesus and promoting and preaching the, the, uh, the name of Jesus. And after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him, but they're lying in wait, uh, but their lying, uh, lying in wait was known by Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in the basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. You see, when God gets a hold of you, When God really gets a hold of you, you become emboldened. You're no longer the mealy-mouthed, little weak Christian that, you know, who is professing Jesus Christ. But you are emboldened about concerning the Word of God. And and you you can speak it with some authority. Amen. Because the authority that God gives you to speak in His name is in you. Amen? So when God calls upon you, talking about being a life-changing experience, then, you know, some things are under your control, but God will in many cases, put, many times put you in, in uh, situations where you need to run to him and say, well, gee Lord, why did this happen? How did I wind up here? You see, but God will put you in a position also where you can indeed uh, speak boldly. Then it, it says there in verse 28, And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Greeks. But they, they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Cesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then, um, had the churches, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit were multiplied. You see? Okay, so this is again, this is where you see now through him, uh, the word of God is indeed getting out there. Verse 32, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down into the saints who dwelt at Lydia. At Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes thee well. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which which, uh, she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as much was near to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. See, here now they're calling for Peter. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing, uh, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, or put them out, and kneeled down and prayed. And turning to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Pleasing the line, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. So here again we see how when someone is called, we see the works that are done and the miracles that are indeed performed, you see. So some come very, very willingly, some, they're, 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 they're like, like, like uh, Saul of Tarsus, you know, and the actual, the actual conversion of, of Saul, uh, let's just real quickly here in closing go to chapter 13, Acts chapter 13. see here all of a sudden, now he's referred to as uh, Paul, but uh, Acts 13, starting with verse number 6, and when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul, and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them. Okay, so this is where, where the devil is trying to subvert uh, God's work. But Elimus, the sorcerer, or so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, this is where his first time is starting to called him Paul. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him. And said, O full of all deceit and uh, and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and, uh, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So here there was this man who was trying to stand in the way of the work of God being done. And we see now Saul, who was being called Paul here, uh, 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 performed the, these actions. So here we see Saul, who was the one who was persecuting persecuting uh, Christians, the followers of Jesus Christ, now became one of the most um, uh, well-known and avid, uh, if you will, uh, 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 what do you call it, apostles uh, throughout Scripture. Amen. So when God is calling you, it can be a life-changing experience, you see. And we have to all be prepared to, to ask ourselves, you know, am I really, really willing to do what God is calling me to do? Amen. So when we say called. It's more than simply, yes, I'm a Christian and I go to church and I do this. But you have to expect that your life most likely is not going to be the same. That means that things will come your way. There'll be issues and challenges that come your way. But you can certainly be rest knowing that Holy Spirit is indeed there to guide you, that God will open your eyes to do whatever it is that you need to do. Amen. Amen. So if you've given yourself to the Lord, even from this day, if you prayed that prayer and you made a recommitment to the Lord, um, there may be things coming up in the week ahead, the weeks ahead, the month ahead, that may be a little bit of a challenge to you. But know that God is not going to take you any place that he can't carry you through. God is not going to send you on a mission and then have you ill-equipped to carry out that mission. Amen. So don't think that I am too... uh, 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 you know, I'm, I'm unable or I'm not prepared enough to do that because God will open the door and God will make the way. Amen. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.